0: And welcome to the Q York Podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you, and thank you for that lovely opening, Jenny. Um, I have to be honest, when I watched that video as a type one perfectionist, the mess of it all made me a bit anxious, but I think maybe that's something I need to get more of in my life. Just let things go and let things happen. Um, Yeah, but it's interesting because what you said there about um, the bins and your work, I thought, yeah, Q is more about unlearning than learning in a way, Um, and I think that that's what creates... A lot of discomfort for many people Um, and I think when you look at the life of Jesus um, I find the Gospels more than ever more interesting than ever uh, as I've walked this journey and you find that it's all about um, helping people unlearn their original Um, previous perceptions of what they believed God to be Um, and I think that's what makes it so spectacular and also the why you saw the wrestle and the struggle existing exactly the same then as it does now Um, and I think The call is to unlearn, that's what I feel, is to unlearn those preconceived ideas that we have about the divine God, Um, and I think that that's where you really enter into the wide open spaces of freedom, and I think that um, I commend you for walking this journey with us, because it's not easy sometimes, it is the road less traveled, um, but I do believe it's the one that we are called to be on, so let that be an encouragement to you. Anyway... I am going to show another video now. Um, I'm going to do a a bit of a revisit today, which has been very, very difficult for me, uh, because I'm someone who generally likes to bring something new. Um, I said to Kevitz, I feel more nervous today repeating myself, uh, because it almost appears that I haven't put any work in, almost. It's strange, really. Uh, But I'm also aware that sometimes, Um, Us guys who bring things up here, we've had weeks and months to wrestle with these ideas and we get them very much grounded in ourselves. And you who then hear it maybe for the first time as as a new concept, uh, we throw it at you in 20 minutes and then sometimes you think, okay, well, let's move on when actually those things can be very, very good and very helpful to hear again. Uh, So I'm going to bring some ideas that I've brought before today and hopefully they'll benefit you. But to start with, I'd just like to show this little clip. I would like to say that no dogs were hurt during that experiment, but unfortunately. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so learned helplessness can be observed in both animals and humans when they have been conditioned to expect pain or suffering with the belief that there is zero way to escape it, even if there is. I'm going to say that again. Learned helplessness can be observed in both animals, as we saw, and humans when they have been conditioned to expect pain or suffering with the belief that there is zero way to, um, to escape it, even if there is. Now, even there, I could talk for hours about where I'm at you know, in my own life, and I've shared some of my experience, experiences recently. Um, that term, to expect pain, is really profound. It's when you are constantly on high alert with the belief that at any point in time, something could occur, um, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about as, as we go through today. Now, when we practice the belief that we have no control over our lives or what happens to us, you behave and live as though you are helpless. I read an interesting medical journal this week, this was really interesting, looking at the connection between chronic fatigue syndrome and helplessness. Some of you may not have heard of chronic fatigue syndrome. It was used to be referred to as ME. Um, quite a common, a common issue, which shows even the physical impact it can have on one's body. So they're looking at the connect- connection between what one believes and thinks and a f- their physical manifestation within their body. So when they did tests and lots of experiments, nothing came back as being, you know, everything came back clear, but there was clearly something very wrong in a person's ability. Um, to deal and to, in their physical body uh, and they say a lot of that can stem from a, from a belief of help, helplessness which doesn't that show how much our physical self, um, our health and everything is linked to usually what's going on in our minds and, and what we believe and there's a real challenge there for me as well. Um, if there is anything I have understood over the last 10 years is how much belief and our perception of life definitely shapes our physical well-being Now, the reason it isn't just called helplessness is very important. And I know some of you will remember this from the little clips we've shown over the last few months. It isn't an innate trait you are born with. It is called learned helplessness precisely because it is learned behavior caused by habitual focus on certain experiences causing us to perceive that we have no control over them. Let me just read that again. It is called learned helplessness precisely because it is learned behavior caused by habitual focus on certain experiences causing us to perceive that we have no control over them. I would also like to add that many of us learn our helplessness by observing others. Now, I've just added this in since I've been looking at the notes. And ultimately, comparisons will become your death trap. So it's not just about a personal thing, it's also to do with comparisons as well. A lot of us become helpless because we're constantly comparing ourselves to what others are doing, achieving, not doing. And our life becomes more based on what we're viewing everybody else doing rather than what's happening within our own world. And that in itself can create a whole heap of problems and I've been there as well. Um, Comparisons are, are not a healthy thing. We spend hours gathering statistics, comparing our own experiences with others, and if your emotional guidance system is already skewed, this won't get you anywhere. I became aware of this particular psychological phenomenon, learned helplessness, a few years back when Chris, my mum, sent me an article at a particular point in my life whereby, whereby we realized this was exactly what I was experiencing. I also recently shared some of my personal hardships over the last year and how this in turn has very quickly triggered the same mentality. Now, again, it's that whole thing of you revert back to a certain set of beliefs. Um, And it was a year ago on last Sunday where I I lost a family member uh, quite horrifically. Um, And I'm aware that from that day, because of things that were going on, certain feelings of helplessness began to rise again. It began to trigger uh, certain historical beliefs of, of 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 various different things, and I was aware that even the way I felt physically changed, um, and and it really was just such a revealing experience. And of course, I wish it had never happened. But within it all, it does again offer you an opportunity to to learn a lot of how you how you think, how you perceive. And a lot of you have faced personal experiences exactly the same, and you would say, you know you wish it would have never happened, but the journey that you've walked because of it also has matured you and made you grow, which we should always look at the situations in our life as an opportunity. One of the main, um, one of my main learned helplessnesses, helplessnesses, we'll go with it. One of my, one of my main helpless beliefs is, um, well, a few actually, one is that I won't be believed. So I'm just being very, you know, candid and upfront here so that I won't be trusted or believed. Number two, I'll be abandoned. And number three, which I would say is the major one in my life, is the fear of loss. Now, learned helplessness can come from personal and or external, so societal group, that which is around us. So if we look at the personal a little bit, Um, Is helpless in the opinions you hold about yourself, so that sense of you have a voice that tells you, this is what I feel about me, this is what's going on. Um, Some of you will have mm, stricter inner critics than others, uh, depending on your personality type. On a societal level, helpless in that decisions are made by a collective that can damage my life, my job, my family, my freedom. and you know, I've, I've discussed this as well, You know, history can show that there can be collective situations that have a massive impact on you as an individual. Uh, you might not necessarily believe or think what the collective thinks, but ultimately if that's the driving force, that will have a massive impact on, on your life. Um, as you are listening to this now, it may be worthwhile asking yourself personally, what is my learned helplessness? Maybe on a personal level, on a societal level. Do you know where it's coming from? Because again, these are really valid questions to ask. Do you know where that feeling is is coming from? What the root of it is? When does it manifest the most? When are you seeing it most play out? In what certain situations are the trigger points where you start to see that helplessness manifest? Because you'll find with any of these things, it's not not always a 24-7 thing. There are trigger points that seem to launch it, and it happens sometimes it's worthwhile not just crumbling under it but asking yourself right i'm feeling it now what's happened what's going on what's triggered it and that can be truly where healing um, can take place Um, so studies have concluded that learned helplessness causes three deficits number one cognitive deficits so this is that our minds hold that our circumstances are uncontrollable. So it's going on all in here. says that everything around us, whether it be personal or societal, basically, it's completely out of my control. There is nothing, nothing I can do. And then we've got number two, which is motivational deficit. And again, interestingly, so I keep coming back to my personality type, um, because we're worried that things won't be done properly or that we'll fail, we tend to procrastinate. I'd rather just not do any of it at all and just become a hermit and rock in a corner. Yeah, that's not helpful either, right? <laughs> so is our lack of response to the potential methods that will free us from our negative situations? Now, here that the way around that is it's the lack of response to the potential methods that will free you. Now, that's an interesting one because you can be in a situation where people offer you methods to fix something and you have such a motivational deficit that someone is offering you the keys to free you and it's like all of it just seems too much and you'd almost rather stay where you are because it's like better the devil you know than the devil you don't kind of thing, you get what I mean? Someone's giving you literally the keys to freedom and it's like all too much, let me just rock in the corner, yeah? Uh, so then the other one is emotional deficit. The depressed state we enter when we feel we have absolutely no control. So a cognitive deficit, motivational deficit, and emotional deficit. Now learned helplessness stems, my opinion, from a very pessimistic view of life. I refer back to the three P's that um, Anne spoke about years ago now. The three P's were pervasive. Now pervasive is an unwelcome influence or effect. Personal, that which affects one's private life and relationships. And permanent, lasting or remaining unchanged indefinitely. I would like to add here that no one is suggesting that the reason you feel the way you do isn't justified or a very real issue or concern that has pushed you to feel the way that you do. You know, never hear this as a judgment, right? When we're talking up here, we're trying to lay out a whole set of scenarios just to give you more clarity on, on where you are. The truth of the matter is, people face stuff. People face horrible stuff. Um, we all do, on a personal and societal level, which triggers certain beliefs. However, it's what we do with those beliefs and how we move forward that really is the important thing. Um, one could argue, however, as I have discussed recently in one of my recent talks, is the, f- is the feeling rational based on reality now, or subjective based on previous experiences that no longer exist. Um, I've said this before, but I still think it's a really powerful thought. Um, everything that has happened from literally a second ago, and now a second ago, and now a second ago, no longer exists. It doesn't exist. The only way it can exist, bearing in mind it gets filed in your brain, Every thought you've ever had exists in your head, but it doesn't actually exist in reality. You have to pull that thought out of your archives and bring it into the present moment for it, to be, for it to exist. Okay? And I think that's a really powerful thought, that the only way something can still be real to you that happened 20 years ago is literally by thinking it now in this moment. That's the way you bring it back into the present moment. Now, is there anything wrong with memories? No, hear me out. What I'm saying is that the only way you can have a memory is because you're able to bring a past thought into your current mentality, if that makes sense, just to help out a little bit. Um, I did a long talk on emotions as well, which was asking the question of are emotions tools to the way we think and should we trust them, should we not trust them. Again, that's online, so you might find that helpful if you want to look a little bit more into that. The ultimate question is, are we happy staying where we are and are we willing to unlearn, learn a new way of thinking? Now, I've never used the Exodus story before from the Bible, so I'm going to use it today. <laughs> The Israelites, <laughs> it's my favorite story, seriously, absolutely love it. I think you can learn so much from the Israelites in the Exodus story. I think it teaches pretty much everything. I think it's incredible. Um, it's a great example of learned helplessness. It just is. If anything, it's one of the main, main I would say, keys of, key points of the story. They were bearing horrific burdens and saw zero way out. They accepted it. And lived under its weight. Did you know that most power structures are only held up by the lie that you're powerless, right? Now, when I use the term power structures, most people instantly go to politics and governments. That's also part of it, but I'm not really referring to that. I mean more the power structures that exist within your own mind, Okay, the voice within your head that's driving the way you think. So the only way that those thoughts can drive you is because you've surrendered yourself as powerless to those thoughts. Um, I remember... Years ago, again, and we've had some great talks, haven't we, over the years, um, when I talked about your mind being like an air traffic control center where you decide what you allow to land, um, and basically we don't realize as we give, we're giving things permission to land all the time that we really, we really shouldn't be, um, so that's, you know, something to think about. Every revolution has come on the back of learning that one has more power than they thought. Some of you may need a, a revolution within your own mind and a revolution within your own, your own life, it's like the film Ants, um, it takes, it's just one puny ant by itself can't do anything, but then when all of the ants stand up together, um, it creates an incredible thing. When the Israelites were delivered, ironically, and this is where it, it becomes really interesting, they resist because they had become blind to the possibilities beyond their slavery. You could call that a motivational deficit, right? Um, the whole thing was just, was just too much. Um, even though manna and water and the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, was all said you will have this, they actually preferred the certainty of slavery than they did the dizziness of the unknown in a way. Um, I am very aware in myself that I become so used to feeling a certain way that I struggle to know or trust that there can be anything beyond that feeling. Um, One of the reasons why, um, again, coming back to the things like chronic fatigue and things like that, one of the reasons why it can be a struggle to overcome that, you get so used to feeling so unwell that your body adjusts to it and it literally becomes the norm. Your brain tells you this is how you should feel. Um, Which, I mean, isn't that incredible that, you know, your body can literally manifest what your mind, mind is thinking. Whilst they have been freed from slavery, the slavery still exists within their minds as a pervasive, personal, and permanent reality. Now the most powerful antidote to learned helplessness is realistic and rational optimism. Anybody think they're an optimist? A few of you, a few little. (laughs) If you can learn you are helpless, you can also learn optimism and hope. And I love the the thing that we learn about hope is that uh, there may just be, the final word has not yet been spoken and there may just be another word after that. And I love the term, I I just recently this week thought, where there's a will, there's a way. And I thought, ah, that makes more sense to me now. Where there's a will, will as in I have that determination, that sense of, I want to push for optimism. I don't want to live a pessimistic life. I want to be optimistic, you know, life is good. Um, Where there's a will, there will be a way. Um, I thought it was a really powerful statement. On a rational level, in any situation, these are good questions to ask. Number one, is this going to last forever, permanent, or is it temporary, this too shall pass? Number two, will this pervade every aspect of my life, or am I, because of my attention to it, feeding it and allowing, allowing it to permeate every area of my existence? Number three, is it my fault, personal, or a result of others and society? Either way, one must hold an accurate and rational perspective without judgment, allowing us to move forward rather than descend further into helplessness. Now habits are simply beliefs that have gained momentum and now occupy the main space of your thought processes. So all it is, is repeated scenarios that you do over and over again. They gain momentum until it just becomes, it just becomes a normal thing in your life. They are and have become the object of your attention. One of the reasons why it's hard to break habits is because all you're ever thinking about is the thing that's the habit. takes up all your attention, and therefore we continue to practice these thoughts, and in turn, it remains our reality. And I've said this before, the worst thing you can do to help somebody quit smoking is talk about smoking. If the conversation is about quitting smoking, all you're doing is talking about smoking, and a person who's a smoker will then think, oh, I really want a cigarette. (laughs) The idea is, with any transformation of the mind and habits, you have to get the attention onto something else that is actually going to free them from the thing that's the repetitive habit within their own life. And again, it's not always about a physical thing like drugs or smoking or things like that. It can be a repetitive belief of I'm not good enough or you know anything like that. Um, unless you stop talking about the thing that you're struggling with and set your sight on something different, that will always be the thing that you face. Learned helplessness is burdensome. We'll try again. Learned helplessness is burdensome. Yeah, my struggle with um, situations in my life um, and health and things like that—you know—it's been a struggle. It hasn't been—it hasn't been pleasant. Um, But the helplessness I felt, I think, was worse. So it was more the feeling in my mind. I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't feel like I had the tools to get out of it. Even though you could say deep down, I knew what the answers were in my my mind space. I just didn't feel like I could cognitively get my head around it. And I think the frustration of not being able to apply it and get out of that feeling of helplessness was the thing that was worse in a way. And some of you will find that. Some of you will feel like for years, you've been going around the desert. um, And you're like, okay, well, hang on a second. I started this journey, but... I just feel like I'm walking around in circles. And um, that in itself is burdensome. And like I say, the feeling of walking around in circles ends up being more of a problem than the thing itself in a, in a way. Why do you think Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Some great things were said, you know, and some great things are said now, right? It doesn't mean that that was somehow more innovative, it just, the context of the time that it was in, it was still uh, the same issue. He was dealing with a group of people who had a particular perspective on God, on how they treated other people on themselves. And he saw that it was burdensome. And the idea was the kingdom of heaven wasn't supposed to be burdensome. It was supposed to be light. It was supposed to be optimistic. It was supposed to be free. It was supposed to be joyous. It was supposed to be hopeful. So here comes an expression of the divine on earth, Jesus, and says, hang on a second, this isn't what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like this. As a reminder... My yoke is easy my burden is light. And if you're feeling heavy, come to me and I'll teach you a new way. And I think that that's what we're trying to do here at Q, in many different ways. Jesus' objective was to get the people to unlearn their faulty images of God and thus of themselves. Um, I believe that most people's idea of God is often shaped by a faulty image of themselves. Um... We make God small, we make God petty, we make him the same as how we feel when actually the divine operates in its, I'm going to say this, in its own realm. Now that doesn't mean I believe it's like up there, down here, I'm not talking about that. The divine exists within a realm that is not swayed by your negative opinion of yourself, it's saying come to me and align with me and my views of you. Um, One could argue, and again, any good psychologist would never, how do I say this? If they were to come down to a level of sadness of their client, they wouldn't be able to help their client. Their objective is to lift them out of their feeling of despair. And this is why I feel that God's saying, come to me, and meet me where I am in this realm of absolute alignment and beauty. And I think the call is still there today for us all. Another one, peace I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, and let not them be afraid. Another one, all things are working together for the good of those who love him. Most of us are still dualistic in our mentality, therefore we don't allow all of it to be part of our story. Um, The truth of the matter is, all of the ne- I say negative because that sounds dualistic, but all of the things that you face that you view as negative are only ever pushing you to become the you that you can be, yeah, if you allow it to. Never worry about anything, but allow the peace that um, of God um, to transform your heart and mind. So, in closing done well for time, because Danny's going to come and finish with a song. I hope this has been helpful to you and being clear. Um, Just a couple of paragraphs to end. We cannot focus upon the weaknesses of both ourselves and others and expect it to evoke strength. Say it again. We cannot focus upon the weaknesses of both ourselves and others and expect it to evoke strength. Strength. Here's another one that I wrote this week. You cannot focus on the things others are doing wrong and expect it to make you feel better. You can try, it won't. I've tried for years. (laughs) I'm like, one day it might work. Here's another one. And I'm preaching to myself here. You cannot compare yourself to what you believe others are doing right and expect it to bring you peace. So some of you, again, and I'm saying this to me, you cannot compare yourself to what you believe others are doing good and right and expect it to bring you peace. Like I said earlier, comparisons will be your death trap. In pessimism there is only ever hopelessness. In optimism, we find magic. And to end, a famous saying, so God, please grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can and have the confidence to deal with those, know that you have the tools to deal with them and the wisdom to know the difference. So may i pray today that all of you find optimism find freedom i say this to myself i'm on this journey it's a it's an ever going process uh, you do have the tools you do have the tools um, you just have to trust that they are there and god is calling you to meet him in that realm where you can find peace and i hope that's helped you today and i'm going to let dan danny close um, and have a great day thank you very much Thanks for
0: listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget, there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest.